Listen in, enjoy this episode, and make sure to share um, and save this uh, podcast to your favorite podcast platform. All right. All right. So we are live. I'm going to go ahead and invite Dr. Samina. Give her a second to join in. Where is she? Dr. Samina, where are you? Let's see if she's going to join in on her own. Let's see. Dr. Samina, you here? Where, are, where is she? So if you're joining this live today, we're going to have Dr. Samina here in just a second to talk to us about PCOS. So I'm going to give her just a minute to rally in before um, we get her on. All right, let's have her in. Sending this to her now. Hopefully she's here in just a second. <laughs> um, these lives are always a little tricky. Hope everyone is doing great. Um, let me see, where is she? Hmm. There she is. Okay, Dr. Samina, can you request? Perfect, there you are. <laughs> Hello, are you there? accepted your invitation there it is I never, hi <laughs> i never know with these things i'm like how much of a lag time are we gonna have okay there it is okay hi how's it going hi. good how are you doing i'm wonderful it's good to see you again i feel like we we first met a couple months ago right yeah yeah i love doing that um it was with pcos association and yes yeah we did that uh, panel it was really nice Awesome. So you guys are in for a treat today. This is a lunchtime discussion with Dr. Samina. As you guys are joining in, just know that you're going to learn a lot about PCOS today. You're going to learn a lot about practical information that hopefully can guide you to take control of your treatment, take control of your journey. So before we begin, I want you to quickly introduce yourself to our audience. Tell them who you are and why you love PCOS so much and why you got into this field. Okay, great. So I'm Dr. Samina Mitha. I'm a naturopathic doctor. And honestly, the reason why I became a naturopath was because I actually experienced PCOS at a very young age. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 19. And I felt like I didn't really have much, you know, experience. There wasn't very many people helping with PCOS at that time. Mm -hmm. So it did feel a little bit confusing. Um, I suffered from cystic acne and irregular cycles. And luckily, I had a naturopathic doctor at the time to really guide me through, you know, getting better and feeling more confident in my health. And honestly, that spurred my interest into learning all about hormones and reproductive health. 
So I decided to go back to school, become a naturopathic doctor and, you know, start this journey and mission to help women just like me not feel confused mm-hmm. and, you know, frustrated with their diagnosis and really empower them um, to really understand what's going on and how they can really uh, focus in on their health on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. Yeah. And so were you always in healthcare or did you take a complete left in, when you went back to school? Yeah, so I actually studied science and business in my undergraduate oh, degree. Nice. Yeah, and then I worked. <laughs> yeah, and then I worked in an online health company in New York City. Um, it was called wow. Everyday Health. Yeah, so I did um, lots of. It was basically analytics. So sitting behind a computer doing a lot of number crunching. And very, then... <laughs> very different to what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah, very different. But what was so cool about that job was we um, we actually analyzed analytics for mm-hmm. things like um tweets um and it was through doctor tweet chats they used to call them tweet chats and it was through like yeah it was through like doctors on there Mm. and that like also you know spurred my interest in like wanting to help people wanting to be that person that can really guide other women who've gone through what i've gone through that's awesome so somebody already put here in the chat that doctors didn't know anything about pcos in the early 90s it's true oh yeah that's true (laughs) we're going to talk a little bit about that so so um, I'm, I'm always so interested to talk to providers who not just only have um, professional passion, but personal experience to back that professional passion. Yeah. I just think it just brings a unique perspective. So can you talk to us a little bit about your personal journey and kind of how you stumbled across your diagnosis? And what yeah. were some of the options that you were dealing with first before you decided to you know, take the reins and go professionally? Mm. Yeah, so um, I, at a very young age, had really bad cystic acne. Um, Mm. It was really bad. I remember wearing, like, uh, I think it's called Mac Studio Fix. And uh, it was, Uh like, that thick, the thick, yeah, the thick, thick, like, it's, like, powder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I remember not being able to leave the house without that on. And it was horrible. It was pretty bad. And But I lived with it because I didn't know what else to do. I was given... um, at the time, I was given antibiotics, so I actually took wow. tetracycline for five years. What? Was, yeah, I did, because I didn't know any different. Oh. Like the doctor was like, "It's bacterial, oh so like this will reduce the acne." It did help, but it didn't like absolutely clear it. And then I remember um, deciding to go on birth control for the acne because she was like, "Okay, well, tetracycline's not really mm-hmm. doing it, so why don't you mm-hmm. try birth control?" So at the time, I was like, "Okay, fine, I'll give it a try." Right. But that like really impacted my hormones. Um, I'm sure. I felt horrible. <laughs> yeah, I felt yeah, horrible. Yeah. And I ended up um, stopping it because I felt pretty depressed on it. And then, mm. then I was put on Ciprolex, of course. So then I was on this anti-anxiety medication oh for gosh. that. Yeah. And then um, at that time, after the birth control, so I can't really remember my cycles, but I remember I was getting them um, pretty often before the birth control. And then after birth control, cycles just, you know, became irregular. Mm-hmm. Now I have cystic acne, I have irregular cycles. So now when I go to the, my naturopathic doctor, it was the first time ever. She was like, it sounds like PCOS, you need to get wow. tested. So wow. yeah, so then I went to get so she was the, she was the first one that knew like something is up, we're connecting the dots here. And so how many yeah. years had it been already since you've been dealing with this? Honestly, I've, I was dealing with acne since I was like a teenager, maybe wow. right right when I started my period, like in 13, 14, I think. Oh yeah. my gosh. So yeah, we're like, we're 19. in at least 10 years, like in 
before least, you're able like, to yeah, start. five at least five years because at, at the age of 19 that's when okay. I saw a naturopath yeah wow and then yeah so then she was just like go get an ultrasound go get blood work for testosterone so obviously the ultrasound showed multiple follicles the blood mm. work showed high testosterone like it was so mm -hmm. clear wow wow <laughs> yeah and wow. I had a really bad hirsutism and I Can thought, you explain to the listeners what hirsutism is? Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's excessive hair growth um, mm -hmm. on various parts of your body. There's actually Fairman Galloway scale that you can look at to see like yeah. what the severity is, and um, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> For me, yeah. it was like mm -hmm. face, chest, abdomen, arms, legs. Like basically, I was at the waxing lady like every two weeks. Oh my gosh! And, yeah, oh yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. like, "I think you should wax your face. Start waxing your." So I started waxing my face too. Oh. <laughs> With the thick acne, horrible. waxing your face. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, it's yeah. bad. Yeah. So, um, and then you know, when I think about it now, like everyone was like, "Oh, it's because of your, you know, background." And your... I was gonna have that. Yes. Yeah. Right? So a lot of patients are like, "Oh, I'm yeah. Italian. I have an Italian background," yeah. or. I have a, you know, like a, a Middle Eastern background. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> no. My sister, like, basically never had to get her eyebrows done. I was, like, literally mm. getting my eyebrows done every week. So yeah. that was, like, a telltale sign of, yeah, this is weird. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that until afterwards that hirsutism was an actual issue with PCOS. So that was really helpful. It actually, like, you know, normalized it for me because I was like, mm. okay, there's a reason why I'm so hairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> I'm just not like this for no reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, just, and I love that you're bring, Exactly, I love yeah. that you're already bringing out some of these things that are actually quite common, but yeah. a lot of women have normalized, like the irregular cycles. You know, exactly. you'll have women. I'm sure in your practice you see this all the time, but I have people in my practice who will come and they've had irregular cycles their whole life. Like yep. their only time that they have regular cycles is when they're on birth control. Exactly. And that's a whole other conversation because we know sometimes sure. you know, birth control is not really a cycle, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and so, and, and, and it's just so interesting that we always have all these bits and pieces, but we compartmentalize them until all it does, it takes is one person to say, these are, this is all one thing. So talk exactly, to us a little yeah. bit about clinically, what are the things that usually get people in your office? That's, that's, what is the thing that kind of, is a straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm, so um, often, more often than not, it's weight gain. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That'll you know, do it. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of PCOS women, they'll have this rapid weight gain, and it will mm. usually be around something that's, like, really stressful, or they've changed something in their lives. Wow. And then the insulin resistance just gets really worse, right? And then when that insulin resistance gets worse, then we start getting high testosterone. So then the cycles become irregular, wow. the acne gets worse, the hair loss starts to happen, right? So I often find it's usually uh, weight, but, um, you know, there's all these other factors that could be involved as well, uh, which is really interesting, but... Now, yeah, Dr. Samita, when we're talking about excessive weight gain, let's talk about what that really is, because I know some people are listening in and they're like, you know, these extra five pounds I picked up versus maybe these extra 15 or 20 yeah. pounds that I picked up. And like, what is what is really when we, what do we categorize as excessive weight gain? Yeah, so I guess this really depends on every patient. But I would sure. say, you know, if you're gaining more than 10 pounds a month, like that's too mm -hmm. much, you know, mm -hmm. um, even if it's, you know, five to 10, like that's still quite a bit because sure, I would say maybe like if it was one pound a week, maybe that's like, okay. 
But if it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you've gained 30 pounds over the last three months, that's too much, right? Yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any sense at no. all. Yeah. yeah, wow, that's a big, and then, and so then we've talked, what is like the second thing that you would say after the weight gain is what usually gets people in your door? I would say irregular cycles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like I've experienced um, having regu- irregular cycles and I can tell you for sure like it doesn't feel good like I know a lot mm-hmm. of my patients will come and say that they've been told it's okay to have don't not have your period you're not you don't need to get pregnant so it's okay <laughs> what like, <laughs> right no, yeah no, and like yeah, honestly yeah. when you don't have a period you feel horrible you don't Definitely. feel like yourself you don't feel womanly um, mm-hmm. you're quite irritable and emotional kind of all the time. Um, it's really healthy to have a cycle, at least, you know, regularly enough to like feel good in your body. And I think a lot of women who are experiencing irregular cycles, they're not feeling good and they know something's off. Um, yeah. And they want to make sure that they're getting regular cycles because we do know it's healthy. Um, yeah, I remember yeah. like getting my cycles regular and celebrating it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? And, yeah. I mean, I can even recall those days because you know I wish I've shared yeah. with you too that I've had PCOS and I remember those days when I would be like, oh my god, I'm like it's been 35 days and I got another P. I would be so happy, you know. I know, yeah. Um, especially when you've you've gone through like the 60 days or the almost 80 exactly. days, you know, without yeah. a cycle. So it's a big deal. And so so a lot of times clinically I get this question is mm. that well, what does it matter as far as like, how do I know I'm getting better from PCOS if I'm not looking to conceive or if I don't have this big fertility goal? Like what, what does it matter for me to get this thing regular? And does it always mean that if you have PCOS, you're going to have reproductive concerns for the rest Mm. of your life or hormonal problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this, the very interesting thing about PCOS is because it's a syndrome everybody experiences it a little bit differently that's why it's so complex to treat right like when we think about what a syndrome yeah exactly it's a syndrome that is such a good way of just bringing that angle in yeah Yeah. definitely yeah and when we talk about what is a syndrome well it's a characteristic of various traits that Mm. are shown in a population of people together right so um you don't have to have every single trait that the syndrome presents with but yeah. you can have patterns of the trait, right? So mm-hmm. one PCOS patient might walk in, have infertility issues. She might have weight gain issues. She might have high testosterone, but another patient might come in and the only thing she's experiencing is acne, but she has regular cycles and she doesn't have insulin resistance, right? She's not that full-blown textbook sure, sure. of PCOS, right? Mm-hmm. So I think what's really interesting about treating PCOS is like, really recognizing that we're treating it as an individual and not Mm. as a population, right? If someone comes in with diabetes, that's a different story, right? Because Uh diabetes uh can be kind of treated similarly among a population. However, Mm -hmm. you know, as naturopathic doctors, we're looking at root cause. So everybody's, you know, issues are going to be very different from one person to the next. But you know, with PCOS, it can be very difficult to treat. And so Mm -hmm. I guess um, if we go back to your original question of like, you know, um, can, will patients have reproductive issues? Well, no, not everybody will. Exactly. And um, I'm forgetting the first thing you asked. (laughs) No, (laughs) 
well it's just like what is the motivation to get better if that you don't have exactly. like, a direct reproductive goal you know in that season of your yes, life yeah. yes okay yeah so um you know one of the things that i usually ask patients when they come in is i ask them what are like your top priorities what do you really want to That's see good. change into your health That's right good. And this is it, why you see a naturopathic yeah. doctor, guys, because they'll ask <laughs> yeah. these questions. Exactly, often. yeah. And so we're trying to yeah. establish, like, what is what does that patient want to feel when they wake up in the morning and feel like, yeah, I feel good today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, it's not just about regulating cycles and losing weight. And it's more about, like, having more energy, sleeping better, like, yeah. a lot, you know, like, energy is a huge part of PCOS we see a lot of adrenal fatigue and stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. and all of these pieces really help to support the patient to have a better quality of life yeah so yeah and so I think those are kind of the symptoms I would say people are like should look out for like how's my energy how do I feel in my body how do my clothes fit right like it's not just about the scale the number of dropping Uh pounds right it's like how do I how do I feel when I eat, you know, a well-balanced meal versus if I eat just a bowl of pasta, right? Like mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. are the changes we want to kind of help patients with because that will set them up for long-term success. That's um, so good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that because, and somebody made a comment in here, like a lot of doctors don't know how to diagnose PCOS, especially if you have Hashimoto's. We'll talk a little bit about the thyroid and its um, relationship yeah. with PCOS in just a moment. But I wanted to say that for those of you listening, especially if you're coming from Dr. Samina's population, is I'm a pelvic physical therapist in the Dallas area. Dr. Samina is a naturopathic doctor in Toronto area. And so we have very, we sometimes will end up seeing similar patient populations, but obviously sometimes they're seeing us for different reasons. So yeah. In my my in my practice, they're mostly likely coming because their cycles are irregular. They're having a lot of mm. pelvic pain or pain with intercourse, mm. um, or they're struggling to conceive due to that having pain with intercourse exactly, yep. or pelvic pain. And so sometimes I think we also don't see the um, that there are several different providers who maybe have a holistic approach that can be combined. So let's talk a little bit about what an yeah. interprofessional team can do to support a PCOSer or yeah. a sister, like they would call them. Yeah. <laughs> So this is a great question because I do think it involves a team to help women with PCOS. And from what I've seen in my practice, one of the really, you know, foundational things is seeing somebody like a naturopath because they can Mm -hmm. help to like treat Mm -hmm. that root cause, help you with dietary and lifestyle changes, and then also put the supplements in that kind of help with uh, your root cause, right? And then also look at lab work, which is really Mm -hmm. awesome. Which is why um, a lot of people don't know that naturopathic doctors, especially in the United States, they don't know that mm, the extent at which um, naturopathic doctors can actually support you. I think yeah. they're given a, a poor steep street cred compared to in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you guys get a lot more leverage, yeah. but yes, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're medically trained with lab testing, which is uh, really great. And um, I've done additional training in reproductive health, worked in a, a fertility clinic. Um, so I've been able to like really see um, you know, what goes on in those cycle monitoring reports and what's happening through um, testing, um, which is really awesome. But mm. above and beyond a naturopath, I think one of the biggest things is acupuncture is really great as well. Um, acupuncture can really help bring the blood flow to the reproductive organs. It can help to calm the nervous system down. It can help mm-hmm. with pain. Um, it can also help regulate cycles. We do have studies saying that it can actually help with ovulation 
which awesome. is yeah which is really mm -hmm. um cool to see in the research um so definitely acupuncture and naturopathic doctors in ontario or in canada are actually trained um in traditional chinese medicine which is great oh, wow. as well yeah that's so we amazing yeah yeah <laughs> So that's, that's great. Amazing. That's another modality we have. But yeah, definitely acupuncturist, even a counselor. So mm. a counselor, because, you know, there's lots of mental health concerns when it comes to PCOS, um, higher rates of anxiety, depression, right? So really focusing on that piece, I think, is incredibly important, especially when it comes to first being diagnosed. Because at the end of the day, you know, it, it's actually really difficult to go through mental health issues, not knowing what the cause is, right? Sure, sure. Making you kind of feel like you're this crazy person or something's wrong with you, mm. when really it could just be a hormonal issue. Oh and um, you and know, we know like, how much hormones can really make you feel displaced. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I love like the pelvic floor aspect of it as well, because, you know, there's so much that goes on in the pelvic floor that a lot of people don't know about and how mm -hmm. it's related to the uterus. I'm mm -hmm. sure you can talk a lot about that. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think, you know, a counselor, acupuncturist, um, naturopath, and even yourself, like a pelvic floor physio would be a, a solid team. Would be ideal. That's so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and I meant to ask this a little bit earlier, but since we're kind of talking, when you were talking a little bit more about like how it, um, PCOS is more of a symptom, so, you know, we, we, we've chatted before and I've kind of looked through some studies and I see that there's different types of PCOS. Now we're seeing lean PCOS, right, mm -hmm. um, which is not necessarily the common physiotype. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the common presentation of PCOS versus maybe in the last couple of years what the evidence is showing that it can also present as. Yes. Yeah, this is great. So um, when we talk about like textbook PCOS, we're saying, OK, this woman is probably overweight or obese. Um, she could have irregular cycles, um, and then she's coming up with this clinical signs and symptoms of high testosterone. So we're talking mm -hmm. hair loss, and this is excessive hair loss, um, hirsutism, so that excessive hair growth, um, mm -hmm. and then um, acne. So, um, you know, having all three of the criteria of Rotterdam. Uh, so Rotterdam criteria is diagnosis of PCOS. We have okay. irregular cycles or late um, or no periods at all. So that's the first mm -hmm, criteria. Mm -hmm. Second criteria is those clinical signs of high testosterone that we just talked about. And then the third thing is polycystic ovaries. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have cysts on the ovaries, but mm -hmm. you could have multiple follicles. The ovaries mm -hmm. could be bulkier, so in appearance. So that's also another sign. So if, you know, the patient's coming in and has all three of those, and, and then on top of that, I would say, she's overweight I think that would be like a textbook PCOS patient right um yeah but now we're that? seeing now we're seeing lean PCOS right exactly, we're seeing where yeah. we're not oh she's not overweight maybe sometimes she would be underweight yeah. that's been something that's really been um a big put a big interest for me recently because of the kind of patients that are walking through my door like oh I've yeah. been diagnosed with PCOS and I'm like whoa, you do not yeah. have a clinical presentation. And yeah. so what is what are we seeing in this population mainly? Is it just the weight, the weight differences or mm. is that the main so, thing? Yeah, so this is a good question. So um, I have a lot of experience with this because I was presented as a lean PCOS patient. Wow. And um, yeah, and so I was actually underweight on the BMI scale. And uh, you know, no one really knew why. There's just like always mm -hmm. a stick person. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I never had these like nice hips. 
that like yeah. women get like you know what I mean like I was just yeah, like this like yeah, square yeah. body and yeah. um you know um every time I exercise I would like build muscle and like it was mm-hmm, great but mm-hmm. then I was like this is kind of odd too right yeah um yeah. but um, those androgens yeah I was I had such high androgens when we tested wow. my um Usually in lean PCOS patients, they present with more adrenal PCOS. So this means that their DHEAS is high. So this is a type of testosterone that comes from the adrenal glands. And these are the glands that sit on top of the kidneys um, and they actually secrete cortisol or stress hormone. So yeah, so this is a huge part of like figuring out where the testosterone is coming from. Is it coming from the adrenal glands or is it coming from the ovaries? So when we see high DHEAS, it's usually driven by cortisol or stress hormones. So when we have high stress, yeah, we make more DHEAS in these lean PCOS women. And that's where we're actually seeing the issues in terms of testosterone. What's really, really interesting is these patients will have really normal fasting insulin, fasting glucose. Mm -hmm. So they don't look like they have insulin resistance or any issues with blood sugar. But when we challenge them, we're getting so many hearts here. <laughs> when yeah, we, we are. We're getting them, a lot of love. Yeah, yeah. People are like, amen, I'm seeing yeah, I'm being seen exactly. right now. <laughs> yeah, because actually many of these women are told, like, you don't have PCOS, like, go away, Crazy. you're fine. <laughs> Just take the pill. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, the, this is a thing. And honestly, when we have um, high DHAS, um, and so I was saying, sorry, Oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, no, you're, you're, so, you were talking about how testosterone can present either above the DHS-wise or from the ovaries, right? That's and right, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, these patients, they look like they're not insulin resistant. But right. then when you challenge them with the insulin glucose challenge test that we do, we give them 75 grams of glucose in the lab, and we Brilliant. challenge them over two hours. We actually mm-hmm. see the insulin issue after the glucose yes, comes in. I yeah. can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in these patients, they have cravings just like an overweight patient. Wow. They'll eat. They'll eat lots and lots of sugar, but they they won't gain weight, which Ugh. you know is honestly nice. Sounds but great, but <laughs> sounds great, but it's ruining their reproductive yeah. system, right? Because yeah, wow. even if they're eating all the sugar, it's still impacting their insulin and their glucose, and then causing multiple follicles on the ovaries. So oh we do want to still assess them for insulin resistance, even if they're lean, uh, which mm-hmm. is really important. I think it gets missed a lot because mm-hmm. a lot of women are told, you know, if you are overweight, then we need to treat insulin resistance. But we also need to look at insulin resistance in lean patients as well. Oh, my gosh, this is mm-hmm. such a this is so good. And I just I, as I, even as you're talking, I'm also thinking about some um, diagnoses that can sometimes come alongside with PCOS. And so the number one thing that comes to mind is when, when we talk about PCOS is the thyroid, right? Yeah, yeah. And how the thyroid can also be a main player in irregular cycles and fatigue yeah. problems and hormonal regulation. So let's talk a little bit about presentations of thyroid problems alongside PCOS. Yeah. So, you know, it can look very similar because patient is getting, is overweight, right? They're gaining mm-hmm. weight. Um, actually, maybe they're not even overweight. They're just gaining weight. Um, they can also have Things like constipation is a huge mm-hmm. one when it comes to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, hypothyroidism. So we're just talking hypothyroidism right now. Uh, fatigue is a big one as well um, because their T3 is low. So the T3 is um, our active form of the thyroid hormone. So TSH, okay. basically thyroid stimulating hormone, comes from the pituitary gland in the brain, and it stimulates the thyroid to release T4 hormone. 
So T4 hormone it gets created in the thyroid and it has to be converted into uh, T3. So T3 is our active form of the thyroid hormone. It is what is used in all cells of our body and mm -hmm. um, is known to regulate temperature. So if you're often cold, that's a, a sign of hypothyroidism. It regulates metabolism. So mm -hmm. if you're gaining weight, you know, it could be the T3 is low. Um, it also helps with, you know, memory um, and brain fog. So if you're having those symptoms as well, T3 could be low as well. Um, what else does it do? Those are like the big ones, honestly. So digestion, uh, weight, fatigue, constipation, um, and then cold, intolerant to cold temperatures. Yes, and, that's a yeah, that's one. Yeah, so that's like what we usually see with hypothyroidism. And also, um, you know, we do want to make sure the thyroid is working well for patients mm -hmm. who are trying to conceive because we do know there is an increased risk of miscarriage if there's antibodies present. So someone mentioned Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Hashimoto's, yep. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. And then also um, when if TSH is off someone's hypothyroid and um, they get pregnant, their TSH can rise. So it's really important to get TSH tested once you get pregnant um, because that can also help to prevent a miscarriage if we can change the dose of your medication as well. Yep, yep, mm -hmm. yep. Mm -hmm. This is all good information. And if you're yeah. here and you're listening in and that was really what you've been looking for, that's the perfect way for you to think about it. And I'm just thinking about just putting myself in the shoes of somebody mm -hmm. receiving this information for the first mm -hmm. time and thinking about how can I have a much more impactful conversation with my provider to mm -hmm. help me put these pieces together. Cause like not everyone is spoiled to have Dr. Samina as their doctor, right? Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people have great providers who just may overlook some of these things, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. So without just having to always scramble to look for a new provider, how can we help um, folks that are listening in to just learn how to talk a little bit differently and ask the right questions um, to get these, this diagnostic assistance? Yeah, I think this is a really good question, honestly, because sometimes it does just take a conversation saying, look, I have, this symptom and this symptom and this symptom. Right. Can we check my full thyroid panel mm -hmm. and just see what comes up, right? And I think one of the biggest things is just learning like what are the most common symptoms of hypothyroidism and then kind of bringing that list to the doctor to say, yes. look, I have all these symptoms. These are, this is what I'm thinking it could be. Can you help me figure it out, mm -hmm. right? And even like talking to someone like a naturopath can just help you even create a list of labs that you can you can talk to your family doctor about too exactly. um, but yeah and then also um i actually have a video on my youtube channel that goes over nice. like common pcos like i actually went through my own lab test and just yeah. kind of um showed people like what does each lab mean and what are the numbers look like? You're amazing. Really so if you're, yeah. if you're watching this, just make sure you go subscribe to her YouTube yeah, channel thanks. and check that out. Because that's so good of you to, yeah. you know, do that. Because sometimes people just don't understand what their labs mean. You know, they have access no. to their portals. They have access yeah. to their labs. But they don't know what it means. So that's so good. Yeah. yeah I've, just, I've always been to my family doctor. And she just, you know, said to me, your labs look, your labs look fine. And I'm like, it's always your labs look good. <laughs> I just want to know more. I just want to know everything. Like, yeah, exactly. Everything looks yeah. abnormal. Everything is fine. And you're just like, but I feel like I'm dying inside. Yeah, So exactly. it definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so just definitely. like even just having that view for yourself to just like learn. I think that's the biggest thing with healthcare now is we as women want to be empowered. We want to be educated mm -hmm. as to like what's actually going on in our body. People are curious about what does TSH mean? What is 
Andrews P and die on me and what is sex hormone yeah. binding glob everybody just everybody wants to know and I think that's totally fair because that gives you the motivation to really focus in on your health day in and day out if you have this like okay this is what's happening in my body and this is what I need to do instead yes. of that somebody's just told me to eat less sugar and exercise every day or you know, like, like or or like when I was 14 and the the endocrinologist told me oh you just need to go lose weight Exactly. And my mom was like, thankfully for good mamas. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, she yeah. has a bigger problem than just weight loss. Like, 100%. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, there's a couple of good comments in here. We're actually going to take a few qu questions and comments during this Perfect. last part. You've been so great, Dr. Samina, already giving us a lot of great, um, great context for what we're dealing with here. So someone says that's pretty stupid because if you have a missing period, something is not normal with the labs. You would think that it would be something worth investigating, but we still have um, an overprescription of oral birth control right now, or contraceptives rather. We still have just a lack of good you know, rapport, a good bedside manner with some physicians who just struggle to really help their patients understand why their periods are messed up, mm -hmm. you know, so. And it's totally fair on their part because, you know, maybe they haven't necessarily looked. Yeah. They have so many conditions they have to treat that exactly. PCOS is like a whole beast in itself, honestly. It so always helps even... to have a specialist, honestly, when it comes I to agree. PCOS. I, I yeah. think that, I don't know if you've seen that in your practice. So I, I agree, feel like yeah. well, there are certain conditions that just require specialists. I just yeah. don't think generalists can handle it like a general OBGYN who doesn't have an emphasis in their practice on PCOS. It's just so exactly. challenging. Yeah, Same thing with fibroids yeah. and endometriosis, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. you wouldn't want someone who just isn't a specialist to treat exactly. you. Exactly, yep. So someone says a good question here. How is the best way to understand your labs, especially when a doctor is saying everything is fine? Google can be scary. Google yeah, if you Google scary. it, they'll probably tell you that you've got <laughs> cancer. Yes. God forbid. But yeah. yeah, that's a great question. How can we better understand labs when your doctor is always saying everything is fine? Honestly, watch that video that I made because I will yes. literally go, yeah, it will literally go through yeah. what I do in a patient visit. And just explain each lab and it's very comprehensive on all the labs that you would get done as a hormonal panel sure sure yeah. no honestly that please watch the video because i think sometimes it's just so much easier to just sit with the information and and listen to this content that we're giving you know online whether it's mm -hmm. you know following her on youtube because it's having i think one of the hardest part of empowering patients is just teaching them how to ask the right questions to their exactly. providers yeah right for sure um and Brookie, you said you wish you could be out of this com beautiful conversation. Feel free to DM me. I would love to know what you're about. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to get you on here one of these days. Yeah. So someone says, when I lived in Florida, my period wouldn't come often. And the doctor said it was normal. It's Sucks. not normal. I mean, it's just not. All because, like <laughs> I always say to patients, all because something is common doesn't mean that it's, exactly. not, it's normal. You know, it's really challenging. Yeah. So, so I guess we could wrap up with this good thing, mm -hmm. uh, this part of this conversation, since dealing with PTOs has so much to do with periods. So I always tell my patients that your period is your is like the fifth vital sign. Yes. So how important is um, periods or just like period problems in relation to overall wellness? Why do we care so much, you know, other than like the some, some of the things that you've mentioned, but what really, why do we care so much that we have mm. a regular cycle if we're not trying to have a baby next month, mm. you know? Well, okay, this is how I think about it. There's a reason why every day our hormones change based on where we are in our cycle right? Oh, wow. We are constantly going through changes in our hormones day in and day out as a woman. 
um, it's different for males because they're just constantly building testosterone. And if they're, <laughs> you know, if they're like good with that, then like they, they feel pretty good in general. Yeah. Um, but for women, it's very complex. We're like basically setting up for pregnancy every month. And if mm -hmm. we don't get pregnant, we need to shed a lining. And we, we do want to ovulate because when we ovulate, we produce progesterone. And progesterone makes us feel really, really, really good, right? Yeah, and helps it helps to thicken that lining too. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah, it helps to thicken the lining, helps us to get that period going. It also helps to reduce testosterone, helps reduce inflammation. It can help with anxiety. It can support our heart health, our bone health. So it's like mm. incredibly important to be ovulating. And oftentimes women with PCOS, if they have irregular cycles, maybe they're only ovulating six times a year. Maybe mm -hmm. they're ovulating twice a year. And if that's happening, they're not building progesterone at all. Wow. So it's extremely wow. important. I would say definitely the fifth vital sign because it's telling us, um, you know, basically that we are able to cycle the hormones throughout the month. It does make us feel well. And it does help us to, you know, I don't know, just like feel yeah. good about our, our hormones are balanced. So it just feels better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. When you're riding you high on testosterone, it feels horrible. <laughs> it's not the way to go <laughs> because not our bodies females. are just not yeah. made to deal with that much level of testosterone no. we just don't have a place to put it you know we don't need that exactly. on a reproductive you know scale so I think this is just really just good to frame it if people are just always wondering like why do I need that but you'll know like if you deal with low progesterone you'll know how yeah. crummy you feel how yeah. challenging it is to get through the day sometimes dealing with insomnia irritability sure. especially you know so someone says something here uh, mm -hmm. that you know drinking a lot of water helped them to lose weight and help them to get Great. their cycles back and that's awesome it just you know sometimes it just takes some tweaking to exactly. your lifestyle um mm -hmm. and and also meeting with a nutritionist you know mm -hmm. or a dietitian mm -hmm. depending on your coverage can also help if you have if you're a PCOSer and you're struggling with insulin resistance exactly, um yeah. something my endocrinologist and I guess we can finish up with this really because I just I, I would just wanted to steal this part of this conversation with you is okay Something my endocrinologist had mentioned to me years ago was just, you know, intermittent fasting mm -hmm. and that helping to uh, manage insulin resistance problems. And I find that to be like the secret sauce. So have you found that you recommended things like that or changes to, um, you know, eating windows? Yes, um, definitely. The benefit of intermittent fasting is it allows us to bring the testosterone down or sorry, mm -hmm. insulin down. Um, and so when we bring insulin down, this allows the body to then use fat as energy. And awesome. that's where we start to see weight loss. We, when we're always in a constant eating uh, frenzy, if we're eating, you know, breakfast and a snack and then lunch and then a snack and then dinner and then a snack, you know, we're constantly building insulin. And the mm -hmm. only way for the body to break down fat stores is to not be building insulin all the time. And, uh, and not be using glucose as energy because basically every time we eat, if there's glucose in there, we're going to create insulin. We're going to, you know, store that glucose away and use glucose as energy throughout the day. But uh, if we're not creating insulin all the time, the body needs energy. So it's going to go to the next storage form, which is fat. And mm -hmm. so that's when we start to break down fat. So insulin or, you know, bringing insulin down can really help uh, when we do intermittent fasting. 
Now, yes. when it comes to intermittent fasting, we don't want to do too long of a fast. Exactly. On the patient. I was say, yeah. Yes. I yeah. think the evidence was, I think the evidence has been saying that you shouldn't be doing anything longer than what, like it, between an eight to 12 hour yes, fasting window. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I don't go past 12 um, mm-hmm. because we do find that when patients go past 12, say they're doing like a long-term 16 hour fast or even some people are, some people 18. are doing like, yeah, 18, mm-hmm, 20. Mm-hmm. And I like, that's too much because what mm-hmm. can happen too is the body can then go into this um, storage or yep. like basically mm-hmm. keep all the fat that's there um, because it doesn't know when it's going to get food next. And so yes. it's trying to like basically store all the fat. So, yes. and also it can impact hormones. We've seen that in many, many patients, even the thyroid. And so um, definitely don't want to over fast, but we want to keep it in a window where it's most um you know appropriate for whatever type of insulin resistance that's happening uh, awesome so yeah. we'll take this one last question before we round up today you've been so good dr samina but so i thought this me. would be really important <laughs> someone said if someone is diagnosed with pcos and are trying to get pregnant what testing should they get first mm. <clears throat> so this is a good question too i actually have an article on this too on my blog um okay. so there's a long list of um uh, labs, but what I would say for sure is definitely a figuring out what the causes of PCOS is. So we're we're really trying to figure out is insulin resistance present. So insulin glucose challenge test, HbA1c. This is how well you process glucose over the last three months, and then um, nutritional deficiencies, vitamin D, uh, B12, iron. Just looking at all the um, vitamins in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Looking at your thyroid panel, so TSH, free T3, free T4 your thyroid antibodies, anti-TPO, anti-thyroglobulin, right? And then also just doing a check on hormones. So cycle day three, third day of your period, Mm -hmm. FSH, LH, estradiol, seven days after ovulation, if you're regularly ovulating, estrogen and progesterone. And then um, what am I missing here? Oh, and then organs. So looking at um, liver function, so liver enzymes like ALT, AST, looking at kidney function, EGFR, and looking at your cholesterol panel, lipid panel. You're amazing. That was fast. I hope everybody <laughs> that got really that. <laughs> no, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully yeah, you, you know, you got that, too, but, yeah. but yeah, yeah, if you would, if you wouldn't mind um, just checking out her blog, her website, because I think that's yeah. where you're going to get all of that listed out. But Dr. Samina, you've been really good. And I know that I just, I'm so happy that I've met you and I'm, I'm, I'm so here to still waste some time. <laughs> and yeah. I don't feel like this is going to be the first time we're going to, or this is going to be the last time we'll, we'll do this, you know, kind of conversation because there's still so much that we can discuss in regards to the PCOS and just more holistic um, support for patients who are struggling, you know, who are, exactly, just don't have yeah. the help, the resources, they don't have insurance coverage in the U.S., they just don't have the resources, right? So I really hope that we can continue this conversation. But if you're not already following Dr. Samina, please take a moment and follow her on all her platforms. Make sure that you're plugged in on her YouTube channel, as well as checking out her website. As you can tell, she's got great content already there, kind of pulled ready for you um, to d- dive into. And if you haven't already, therapy practice. Um, and so overall, I hope you learned something today. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Samina. You have a thank blessed you so one. Much for Thanks, me. everyone. Make sure you give us both a follow and <laughs> stay tuned for the next conversation. All right. Bye. Bye.
So I'm super excited that you listened in today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In order to get in contact with me, feel free to follow me on Instagram at TriggeredPT. We're also on TikTok now. Woohoo! Um, also, you can send an email directly to me at Dr. Yeni. That's D-R-Y-E-N-I at TriggeredPT.com. Please note that everything discussed here is not to replace medical advice. Seek out a practitioner if you do have urgent needs. Thank you so much. See you guys next time.